0: good morning it's uh hey how are you robert good. it's good to be here with you and uh, to share from god's word uh, just a little bit of an introduction for myself i'm chris tracy my wife suzanne and i and our daughters devin and rain have been attending here since june of 2017 so we're kind of four years into our relationship with bridgewater church and we're very thankful to, to be a part of the family of god here Bridgewater does great at giving you resources for your personal spiritual growth. And one of the things that you have to take away today is a bookmark on your chairs of Psalm 100 and some other psalms on the back that you can reference. And we're going to be looking at praying through God's word this morning. And also, I just want to make mention, there's a book on the back table. Pastor Jeff mentioned it last week, Praying Through God's Word by Donald Whitney. And uh, just a personal bias, Donald Whitney is one of my favorite Christian authors. Uh, Wrote one of the most influential books I read called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. So I'd encourage you, there's a few copies left and there's also a couple copies in the office where the day of prayer is happening. And you could pick one of those up, it would be greatly beneficial for you in the days ahead. Uh, Today we're going to look at praying through God's word and we've been in this series uh, for a couple weeks now. And Pastor Jeff has led us the first two weeks, and I just want to recap those first two weeks for us. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at the parable in Luke chapter 18, and the widow was approaching Jesus. This was a story that he told. The widow approached uh, the judge, and Jesus was telling this story. She was relentless. She wanted an answer. And uh, we realized from that uh, message that first week that God does answer our prayers, doesn't he? When the phone rings, he does not ignore the phone, as uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned. And he sometimes answers yes, sometimes answers no, sometimes he says slow, that uh, it's not yet going to happen, or sometimes it's not going to happen that way, we need to grow. And I just shared with the, the, the first service this morning, my big takeaway on week one was this, Jesus does not want us to give up on prayer when we do not see an answer. And sometimes it is the silence that grows us in our dependence upon God. Uh, Week two, we looked at the Lord's or the disciples' prayer, and we realized that uh, two main points came from that. We need to be praying for God's will and aligning ourselves with what God desires. But secondly, when we know what God desires, we need to obey him and follow through. And one of the big keys that came from that passage last week was that God expects for us to be forgivers like he is a forgiver we need to forgive others as God has in Christ and we need to be willing to extend that today we're going to take a different approach we're going to look at praying the Bible praying the Bible reading God's word and then praying back to God what he has disclosed to us through his scriptures do you ever struggle with prayer do you ever struggle with what to say Maybe you feel like your uh, prayers, so to speak, aren't getting any higher than the ceiling or you're just kind of using words over and over again, feel challenged, that you're just praying through a list, or maybe you're just kind of working through a prayer language that uh, you just keep repeating. Maybe you have a mental file of prayers for different occasions that you just pull out at the right time and they, uh, they do a good job. And maybe you just feel like you're not connecting with God. I've had times like that. I have times like that where it just seems like that conversation isn't going far. But the Lord knows this, that we are like his disciples learning how to pray. In fact, the disciples in that passage of the Lord's Prayer said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to relate with you because prayer is more than the conversation. It's the facilitation of our relational growth with God, isn't it? It's the process that God uses for us to communicate and listen to him and for him to transform our heart and to pour his grace out upon us and to help us become more like Christ as we fellowship with him in prayer. Prayer puts us directly in the path of God, puts us in a place where we can uh, fellowship with him. And God expects us to pray. It's not just a suggestion because in Matthew 5, 5, he says, and when you pray, he expects us to be pursuing him in prayer. In fact, the scripture tells us this in Romans chapter 8 that God prays for us. The Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't even know how to pray. When our heart is so conflicted, he prays for us and intercedes for us according to God's will. And also the Lord Jesus intercedes for us. He prays for us and lives to ever intercede for his people. So we can take heart that God is calling us to do something that he's doing already, but spiritual uh, the spiritual discipline of prayer requires effort on our part. It requires our attention. It requires um, focus. And God calls us to uphold our end of the relationship. So today we're going to look at three psalms. And we're going to look at these psalms in the light of this. As we pray God's word, it helps us understand his will. And we can more accurately obey his will as we do that. And the first psalm we're going to look at is Psalm uh, 100 as you have on your bookmark because as we pray the scripture it helps us not only uh, know what God is like and what uh, he is uh, uh, described as in the scripture but when we pray the scripture it helps us draw closer into a relationship with him. So as we look at Psalm 100 this morning I'm going to read through it we need to know first and foremost that praying the Bible reminds us what is true of God. And if you want to follow along in your Bible or up on the screen here, we're going to go through Psalm 100, just five verses. And we'll start there at verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Now, as we look at that psalm, there's a number of things that come out that are true of God. He is Lord, He is Creator, He is a shepherd, He is good, He is loving, He is faithful. And in light of all those things who God is and what's true of him, he is worthy of our praise and worthy of our thanks, isn't he? As we look to this psalm, we are called to give him praise. And an important thing about praising God is that we must reflect upon who he is accurately. And the only place to do that is in the scriptures. Let me give you an illustration to help us understand this a little better. I know Mason mentioned Duncan. Sorry. Say we run into each other at Duncan. And uh, we start talking, and you tell me how much you enjoyed getting to know my daughter, Rain. And you describe her as a six-foot-tall saxophone-playing person who loves to cook Italian food and play cricket. And I look at you, and I say... "Um, You must be thinking of somebody else. Rain is five foot six. She's a non-practicing flute player. She loves to eat ribs and chicken, not cook them. And she likes a lot of sports, but uh, cricket, I don't believe, is one of those uh, sports she likes. But you continue to extol her as a tall, pasta-loving, sax-playing cricket player. And just continue to insist that she's such a great young lady. But the thing is, is that such praise would be meaningless because it's based on inadequate and inaccurate information about who she is. Your doctrine of reign would be wrong. And however strong your appreciation is for her, um, it just doesn't really add up to much because you don't know her. But if you got to know her better, I'm sure you'd really love her. I'm sure you'd really like her. Now, apply this to God. The more accurately we know God through his word, the more genuine our worship can be. God's not necessarily concerned about how we feel or what we think he's like. He wants us to know him in truth. And the moment that we veer from that truth, we flirt with idolatry. So regardless of what we think or feel about God, There's no authentic worship of God without a right knowledge of him. So it's important for us to look to the scripture and even pray through the scripture so we can know God more accurately and worship him more authentically and in truth. Secondly, he calls us to give him thanksgiving because when we truly know who God is and as he helps us grow in the knowledge of him, it propels us to thanks, doesn't it? Thanks for who he is and what he does. And it helps us process life in light of uh, the lens of thankfulness to him. Now I'm going to uh, just pray through a couple of the truths of who God is. In fact, all of them from Psalm 100. Uh, as an exercise here this morning to illustrate how we could possibly do this. Now I'm doing it a little bit different in the corporate setting here. But if we were sitting at, uh, on the couch with a cup of coffee, we might go at this a little bit different. But let me pray through Psalm 100 if you want to follow along. Uh, close your eyes, whatever. Uh, This is just an opportunity to lift up God and give him thanks for who he is. Lord, it's amazing that you invite us into your presence. You give every reason for us to shout out to you. And we give us every reason to sing with all our hearts because you are God. God, we worship you as our creator. In fact, you created everything in us very purposefully. And all creation was designed to give you praise, and may we join all creation that just does that naturally, in giving you praise and showing forth your glory. Father, you sent your son Jesus, the good shepherd, to rescue us from our sin and give us life. And Father, we are looking to you as our shepherd. We are your sheep. We look to you for protection and provision, and you've always given us everything we've need needed. And we know you won't let us down because you are absolutely faithful. In fact, God, your love never ends, and we can count on that. And Lord, we thank you that not only can we experience this, but everybody can experience it that will come, our children and our children's children, because you are good. And your goodness goes on and on. And we thank you and praise you. Amen. So as we look to God, and just in this one psalm, we can draw out those truths of who he is, and in our own words, pray them back to him. In fact, uh, our author here that we looked at, Whitney, wrote this. He says, when we pray the Bible, we're taking words that originated in the heart heart and mind of God, and we circulate them through our heart and mind and give them back to God. There's a lot of things that we can circulate through our heart and mind, isn't there? but I would say there's probably no more noble thing than God's word to help focus our thoughts, our intentions, our efforts, our energies upon him and in turn allow us to see him more clearly in truth. So praying through the scripture helps us understand the truth of who God is. But secondly, this morning, we're going to realize this. Praying through the scripture, praying through the Bible reminds us what is true of ourselves. Self-awareness is a good quality to have in relationships, isn't it? Have you ever worked with someone or deal with someone on a regular basis or maybe like me, you're that someone that has a a bit of an inability to realize how they come off to other people and can be a little bit annoying? I'm not going to pick on anyone else because I know some people I could say this or that. I'll pick on myself. Sometimes I go to lunch and I have things for lunch that um, have a high garlic content, okay? So I come back to work, and in different settings where I've worked with people that are a little more polite, maybe they're not going to say anything, they appreciate my efforts, they appreciate what I bring to the table, and they'll bear with me, and out of politeness they won't say nothing, but they're probably wishing I would have used some Listerine or some uh, breath mints before I came back. Now, in fact, I've worked with family for a lot, a lot of times, a number of stretches in my life. In fact, I presently am working with family. And the thing about working with family is that you get this thing called instant feedback. There's not a lot of grace. And I, a few times my brother turned to me after I had an Italian sub or pizza or something for lunch, and he says, man, you smell like you swallowed a clove of garlic and chased it with a, a bottle of good season salad dressing. And you know what, so be it, you know, but maybe I should be a little more self-conscious, self-aware, and, uh, you know, attend to my oral hygiene, have a mint, and make things a little more pleasant for those around me. But self-awareness takes intentionality on our part, doesn't it? We need to take stock in who we are and maybe realize, you know what, maybe I could do things a little bit better to help life be better for other people. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we need to have self-awareness because it's not just that we enter into his presence with something as flippant as bad breath. We're entering into the presence of the holy God of the universe, the God of all creation. And God needs to be approached humbly. And in knowing who we are, as we look to this next Psalm, that'll help us approach God humbly. And I want to read through Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14, if you want to follow along. And uh, we're going to look at, after we go through this, some truths about who we are, especially in light of who God is and how we relate with him. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and much more pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, and this is referring back to all the precepts and the statutes and the law of God, by them, Your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So as we look through this uh, psalm, there are a number of things that we can draw out of this that uh, point to the truth of who we are and our state of being. This psalm tells us these things that are true of us. We have God's word to lead us in life. We have God's word to help us from making bad choices and bad decisions. And we will be rewarded if we live according to God's word. And the reward is that of obedience, isn't it? To know uh, that we can express our deepest love for God and in, in following him and obeying him. However, it is true that we have trouble discerning all the ways we can go wrong. And uh, I'm sure as we look at ourselves and are honest, we are very good at this going off course. We all need forgiveness at times because we sin. We sin without realizing it, but also we sin and we don't care because we're going to do what we're going to do. We're blatant about it. We're intentional. And we need to repent of those sins. And God gives us opportunity. And we need God's help to keep from sinning. And sin can rule us if we don't allow God to keep it in check and submit to him. But the great truth coming out of all this is that we can live a life of uh, prosperity. We can live a life that is pleasing to God that is righteous when he helps us not be ruled by sin we can please God and be more reflective of who he is now as you look at this God didn't need to record this in the scripture to inform himself about our state did he he recorded it in the scripture to help us know who we are and as we look to this passage and look to the scripture in light of who we are Uh, we can realize that uh, he is the one who can give us the strength to overcome our sins. When God exposes our sins by the light of who he is, by the light of his word, he is not doing it to humiliate us and to put us down. He's doing it to give us a chance to get things right and to repent and turn to him and to grow. We don't like to think of ourselves as weak and needy, but throughout the Bible, we realize, and if we're honest, that As people, we are weak and needy. We are broken. We are troubled inside, apart from God. And humanly speaking, weakness is not considered a good thing, is it? Do you like to be weak? Do you like others to know your weaknesses? No, we don't, do we? So what do we do? Well, we uh, cover up. We put on a good show, don't we? In fact, we uh, can convince ourselves if we do it well enough that everything's okay. We're going to be all right. It's not such a bad deal. But when we start doing that, it kind of builds up. We stop asking the questions we should ask. We stop looking for the help we should reach out for. We start uh, convincing ourselves that we can handle things that we can't. We start convincing ourselves that we know things that we don't even know. And we build up a self-delusion of strength and independence that keeps us from seeking the help that we so desperately need, especially the help that comes from God, especially God's help. But the truth is, is that we're all sinful and we struggle to live life on many planes. We have weaknesses, we're broken, and we need help. We were not created to be independent but depend upon God, the one who made us. And God is not surprised when he looks at us and sees us this way, is he? He's not turned off by our sin and by our need, but in fact, he's there to graciously give us all the help we need through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. God is there not only to meet our needs, but to meet our greatest need, and that is the need for forgiveness and being made right with him and having life breathed into us from spiritual death through Jesus Christ. He desires to give us eternal life, life that's really life, and he desires to give us that life that overflows, the abundant life that only comes from walking with him. But like prayer, we must respond to God in faith and embrace him and grab a hold of what he is offering us and reach to him and ask for help. And I trust you've come to that place in your life where you've reached to Jesus Christ and asked for life. But even after we do that, we need to embrace God and ask him to help us live this life that he's given us. For his glory. Dr. Paul Tripp wrote this, and I think it summarizes the the relationship between our weakness and Jesus' strength. He says this Your weakness will drive you crazy unless you understand the gospel of Jesus. What is that message? It's It's the story of a strong Savior who is able and showers you with his powerful grace on his people who are so fundamentally weak and unable. He confronts you with your weakness so you will run to him for strength. He calls you to mountains too big to climb so that in your inability you will look to him. He leads you to taste failure so that you will find your hope in him. He works to prove to you how weak you really are so you will gladly accept his invitation of enabling grace. Perhaps it's not such a bad thing to come to the end of your rope if at the end of your rope you find a strong and willing Savior. So do not be afraid to cry out in weakness because you affirm your weakness. You are teaching your heart to esteem and celebrate the grace that can make you strong. Sometime in the next week, you'll be confronted with your weakness. And when you are, you will either work to convince yourself that you're strong, or you will run to the one who is strong, Jesus. Praying God's word reminds us what is true about ourselves that we are weak and needy, but in confessing our inability, it produces a hunger for Jesus, the only one that can help us rise above our weakness. You know, there's, if you look through the scripture, uh, we need to celebrate our weakness. It's totally out of our comfort zone, isn't it? Because when we are weak, God's strength can be manifest in us in the greatest ways, and the glory can be given to him. Lastly, we're going to look at Psalm chapter one, or Psalm one, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. A lot of times, children memorize this in children's ministry. It's a great psalm, and it helps us take things a little bit further from not only knowing ourselves, but how to manage ourselves in light of the world we live in, and how to live successfully successfully for the glory of God. And this psalm talks about how we can have a blessed or a deeply contented life in relationship with God. And I'm just going to read the, the first three verses and then we'll conclude with the last three. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who, me- who meditates on his law day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So God gives us an illustration in this psalm of a a tree that is uh, planted in a good place. It's drawing its water from the stream. It's getting all the nutrients it needs. And this tree is drawing uh, life from the the pure source. And then in turn, it's producing fruit. It's being a blessing to everyone and everything around it. That's a good picture for us because that's how we should be. We need to be like this tree that whatever season we are in, we are drawing deeply from God, and we're not drawing from another source. It's something to aspire to, isn't it? To be that kind of tree. Have you ever met people, or I don't want to say you might be one of these people, maybe I know I am at times, who walk in the room and just suck the air out of it? What it's saying here is that you should be a life giver. We should be a life giver. I should be a life giver. One who breathes life. So refreshing when someone breathes life into you. And that's what it talks about here. But there are some steps to take to get to that place. Uh, the this, this Psalm verse one warns us not to get caught up with people or relationships that will drag us down. There is nothing that will drag us down quicker than people that want to take us away from the path that God has for us or obeying the truth. And it, it progresses that you not only don't walk with them, don't, uh, don't uh, stand with them, and don't sit with them. It's kind of like getting closer in ties as you look at that. But uh, watch your relationships. Examine your relationships. Put distance where you need to put distance and pursue people that are going to help you get on the right path. Secondly, we're told to delight in God's word. This does not come naturally to us, does it? It's a spiritual discipline to read the Bible, but God can give us a hunger for the Word of God because we are told that we need it. We need God's Word. We need to be feeding on God's Word, reading God's Word, asking God as we pray God's Word to help us not only ingest it, but to live out the truth that's in it. And then finally, we're told to meditate on God's Word. And uh, praying the Bible back to God is a great way to do that. Or maybe you could go throughout your day with a little note card and just put some reminders of what truth you read in God's Word today or with your Bible app or whatever, reminding yourself, this is true of God, this is true of me, praise God. Then the last three verses give us a warning as well because there's a contrast made here to the the tree that's planted by the water. Uh, The person who's wicked. Not so with the wicked, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, this could certainly be talking about someone who doesn't even know God, and uh, their life is uh, very contrary to the one who is blessed. They're like a uh, husk of uh, wheat. The wheat kernel has gone to a good place. The husk just blows away. That's all that's left of it. And the, the wicked are going to be uh, facing God's judgment, and they'll be uh, facing destruction and harm and hurt. But I think this is a warning, you know, not only, for us, not, a, not only a warning for us to not head down that path or be influenced by people on that path, but to realize even as a believer, we can get into a place where we just dry up, where we can uh, turn away from the very source of life in Jesus Christ, try to live life otherwise, and can really pay the price for it and be a a beacon of hurt and harm. God warns us and he encourages us to pray and guard ourselves and to follow the path that he has for us, to delight in his word, delight in him, and meditate upon him. So that's just a quick trip through three psalms and a quick attempt to look at how we could possibly pray for ourselves uh, and know who God is as we look to these psalms. Now in conclusion, I just want to share a story with you that's uh, personally related to um, praying through the scriptures. I've been a, a believer for a long time. I won't tell you how long, but uh, from a child, uh, seven years old, but I won't tell you at my age. <laughs> and God has taught me how to follow him, and people have taught me how to follow him and to do devotions and to read God's word and to pray and to find relationships in the church that helped me grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. I had a point 30 years ago in my life where I was uh, attending Bible attending Bible college uh, with Mark here and Stan and others. <laughs> Practical Bible College on Riverside Drive in Binghamton. Okay? So I'm going to college, and uh, my... Home church that I was going home on the weekend and serving way down in Pennsylvania I used to have these uh, nights out for couples, but I used to go stag. So it's kind of like odd man out. So my pastor says, okay, there's one coming up here in the fall. You can only go if you bring a date. Like, oh, come on, put the pressure on me here. So while I was at school, I looked around and someone suggested that my wife Susan would be a good person to get to know for me. And I walked up to Sue and I said, "Hey, would you be interested in going to adult night out or whatever it was called? And we're going to Year Old Jericho Inn, and that was like inspiring for me. If you don't know what Year Old Jericho Inn is, it was this place in Bainbridge that put on these awesome seafood buffets, all you can eat. Doesn't exist anymore, I don't believe. But I really wanted to go. But I asked Susan, and she kind of hemmed and hawed, and she had some excuse like I had to watch or watch the dog for somebody who's away." So I'm like, oh gosh, (laughs) failed there. I really wanted to go, so I asked somebody else. (laughs) And it turns out that this girl I asked to go, you know, we had a good time, but we kind of hit it off and had a a developing romance. In fact, our relationship uh, accelerated over that school year, and by the end of the year, we were engaged. But about a month after we got engaged, we had some serious conflict and uh, we became disengaged. And uh, it wasn't my idea. So I entered into that summer back to work, bummed out. And my coworkers, you know, put up with me. I wasn't the happiest camper. And I remember one day at work, kind of doing the normal thing, but I did my devotions at lunch. I grabbed Gideon's Bible that I kept in the console on my Subaru wagon pulled it out and I read Psalm 27 and I'm reading through Psalm 27 and the lights go on God's telling me stuff about himself and myself and I'm reading through that Psalm the first verse in Psalm 27 is this the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid that really sets this Psalm up because David's talking about all the things that challenged him and could produce anxiety in his life he says you know what I'm okay because God is my light, my salvation. I don't need to be afraid of anybody. I'm okay. But what really caught me is, as I'm reading down through this Psalm and I get to the last two verses. And then the Psalm says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And as I read that, I realized, okay, David said he would have lost heart. Literally, he would have thrown in the towel if he had not realized how good God was. And I was there. I was just, I was ready to quit. Quit this Christian life, quit this pursuit of Bible college and ministry and all that. Quit women. <laughs> and I, as I looked at that, I said, you know what, God, you're telling me that someday I'm going to see your goodness, Okay. Uh, I am not feeling that right now. I'm not certain that I'll see it, but I want to see it. I want to live in the land of the living. I want to have hope. And the Lord said, just wait, wait. Strengthen your heart, wait on the Lord. So I went through that summer, went back to school, began to get a little more pleasant. Um, In November, Susan was invited to my home church by a couple of mutual friends we had, the pastor and another guy that was doing an internship there with me. And it was my duty as a deacon at that church to read scriptures in the morning service. And it just happened to be that that week was my duty to to read the the scripture. I didn't know Sue was coming there, but I prepared ahead of time. It was Psalm 27. So uh, I get up to read Psalm 27. I see Sue out there and the lights start to go on because I'm reading through it. And by the time I got done reading this, that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, I realized that God was showing me his goodness because my wife-to-be was there. Okay? And I blatantly realized that, that. I didn't tell her. But I actually walked down off the platform, went back and sat by her, and she didn't run away. And by God's grace, 14 months later, we got married. And I'm not saying this to tell you that I am a master romance guy or had this all planned out. God had it planned out in his goodness and his greatness. And he just encouraged me to believe in who he is and to trust him. And as I looked to him, he unfolded the path before me. And I can just thank him for that. There's been other instances I'm sure you could share. There's other instances where God takes you to his word and says, here's who I am. Believe me, don't quit. Keep going. Or here's who you are, don't be overwhelmed because, you know what? Even though you struggle with sin, my grace abounds way more than your sin. I can pull you out of this, and I can get you on your feet and walking right with me. And you can have that blessed life. I would encourage you today, as you do your devotions, as you open up your Bible app, just ask God for a couple nuggets, a couple passages of Scripture, a couple words even, Lord, help me to chew on this about who you are. Meditate upon this. Help me to realize that uh, you are absolutely worthy of my praise and thanksgiving, God. And our next steps that we're going to take here, I just encourage you, read God's word. Foundational spiritual disciplines, reading God's word and praying. Those are the means that God has given us to know him, for him to pour his grace in us and draw us closer to him and transform us. Pray God's words back to them. Ask God to transform us. And then share what God is doing with others. I, um, some of my brothers aren't here now, but I belong to a men's group. We meet here on Thursday morning, and uh, we've kind of grown on each other. Uh, some of us have grown on each other like mold. <laughs> no, it's, it's good stuff. I love these guys, but when we get in there, there's like no bars held we just uh, share life, and that's important. It's important to have that body connection. And as we approach the fall season, small groups are an emphasis. But as we walk with God, we need to be sharing with others in a smaller setting and even in the corporate setting and encouraging one another to pursue God and to fall in deeper love with him. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you that uh, you have given us your word, that you have called us to, uh, to follow you, to seek after you, to pray. Father, we thank you that you give us the ability to know you in relationship, but to know you through your word. So I pray, God, as we would uh, open your word daily, as we would uh, worship you together in in, uh, the corporate setting, wherever it be, Lord, that you would take your word, help us to uh, know you in a greater way and love you more, help us to know ourselves, Lord, as well, and give you thanks and praise for engaging us in a relationship that lasts forever. Father, may you continue to just work in and through us and transform us for your glory. Use us as a body, as a church to do your will, to fulfill your purpose for us until you come. In Jesus' name we pray.